This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. Love doing this show with you because we get into your head. We talk about psychology, mind games, what's happening mentally, positively or negatively, that affects who you are and what you do as an athlete, as a coach, as a parent, as an official. I've been on the radio for 28 years, the last 18 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Our show is now being syndicated around the country in a number of stations. A number of cities are picking it up. Excited about that. I have been in practice as a sports psychologist for 38 years. The day after Labor Day will be the beginning of my 39th year doing this. I've been doing this about as long as anybody in the country. And I've been very fortunate to have worked with athletes at all levels, from the Olympic and professional level all the way down to youth sports. And if you listen to the show, you know that I co-authored a book with Kansas City Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and USA Swimming Hall of Fame coach Pete Malone. It's called Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. One of the things I like to do on this show is help you with the mental side. What are the different things you can do to get better? You know, one of the things I've learned throughout my career, and I, I, when I first started in sports psychology back in 1977, 78, when I was in graduate school in San Diego, I took a class went to the California School of Professional Psychology and took a class called Sports Psychology. I thought, this will be interesting. I was in a private professional school, small school. We went to school 11 months a year for five straight years. And my second year, there's a class called Sports Psychology. I thought, well, I'm taking this because I've always played sports. Tennis was my main sport growing up because I was small. And five minutes into the class, I'm like, this is what I want to do. My professor, Dr. Robert Nidefer, wrote a book called The Inner Athlete. Went down to the beach after class because the good thing about going to school in San Diego is you're near the beach. And the great thing about that class was that was my only class that day. So I went down to the beach, got my beach chair, faced the ocean, read the book cover to cover. Went back to my apartment, called Dr. Nidefer. There were only about eight people in the class where he called who I was, and I said, this is what I want to do. One of the things that the book talked about was mental rehearsal, mental preparation, visualization. And I'm sitting there reading this stuff, and I'm like, why didn't I know about this when I played tennis, when I would choke under pressure, when I wouldn't know what to do mentally? And so one of the passions that I've had throughout my entire 38 years is helping people get mentally prepared, learn how to get mentally prepared to compete. Throughout my career, I've noticed how coaches spend a lot of time on the physical side. You know, you will physically stretch out before a game. There's a, you know, teams go through team stretches. You watch any professional team, college team, they're out there on the field or on the court stretching. What are they doing mentally? What are they doing mentally to get ready? Well, that happens before the game, before they get to the gym, to the arena, to the field. It can happen when they're there, depending on how long they're there. But there are a lot of different things you can do. But I want to talk today about mental preparation. And I want to get into some conversations with some callers about this. Because if you're a coach, how do you get your team mentally prepared to play? What do you do to get them mentally prepared? Do you do anything? And it blows my mind that a lot of people do nothing. They just say, okay, let's let's go stretch, let's go play. 
And years ago, I, I remember with some swimmers I was working with. I said, when you're physically stretching, why don't, we men- why don't you mentally stretch? I remember I was with the University of Kansas women's swimming team. And we're talking about this. I said, what are you, what are you, what are you guys doing to, to stretch your mind? And one girl said, nothing. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about that. So we got into this whole thing about visualization. Visualization through my studies in graduate school. And back, back in 1977, we did not have the internet. We did not have laptops. We had typewriters. So I had to do my graduate work and my research and type it up. And I did a literature review on mental preparation. And there, there virtually wasn't anything. With the exception of Eastern Europe and Russia and some Canadian and Australian research, there was virtually none. And what I found throughout the years now, of course, it's, it's everybody talks about it. How do you get mentally prepared? What do you do to get mentally prepared? There are all kinds of things you can do. What, and so what is visualization? People ask me, Doc, what, when you say visualization, what's that mean? Well, it's a term that's come up since the, probably the 60s and 70s, but people have been doing it forever. It's seeing yourself do what you want to do before you do it. Okay? So how do you get mentally prepared? One of the things I work with people on is going through an extensive mental preparation routine. And I have an exercise I designed that's on my website. It's called 20 Minutes to Athletic Success. I have specific exercises for bowling because more people bowl. That's the largest participatory sport in this country. You may not know that, but it is. I have it for tennis. I have it for swimming. I have it for pitching and hitting. I have it for running. I have a generic one on my website, winnersunlimited.com. They're 20-minute exercises. And what I found is throughout my work in grad school, sort of devised this program. So we go through an exercise where you lie down. And I encourage people to do this. They can do it the night before they compete. They can do it an hour before you leave to go to your competition. You can do it if you're at the, if you're an athlete and you're at the stadium, you're there for three or four hours. Go somewhere. You can go listen to this or, or do this on your own goes through a breathing exercise where you lie down, just basically work on your breathing, slow down your breathing, and relax. Close your eyes. Then I take you through what's called a progressive muscle relaxation exercise. And we flex and relax your muscles. There's a reason for this, because when you compete, and everybody I ask who competes in sports will tell me, they get tense. Okay? Why do you get tense? Because you're thinking, you're worrying, you're stressing. What do you do when you get tense? Oh, I don't know. I just, I, I, my muscles are tight. I can't swing the bat. I can't throw the ball. I can't catch. Okay. So we go through a progressive muscle relaxation exercise where you flex and relax your muscles. I start with your forehead, flex it, and then with a deep exhale, relax it. Then your mouth and jaws, same thing. Hold it and then relax it. Your neck and shoulders, your arms, your stomach, your buttocks, your thighs, your calves, your feet, one section at a time. Flex it. And then relax it. So we drain that out of your, your, your body. So then you're feeling relaxed physically. Then I have you go through a confidence building section. You see, because most athletes will tell you mentally what's the biggest issue you have. And they're going to say self-confidence. I can almost guarantee you. I don't have any confidence. I lost my confidence. I screwed up and I felt terrible. I don't think I can do it. My confidence is gone. So then we go through a, a confidence building section. I have people imagine themselves on a beach, walk along a beach to a large golden door. They open it up and go behind that door and stay there for a while. And on my exercise, I have music that plays. And I say a lot of positive, confident things to build you up, to feel good about yourself. You'll stay there for a couple minutes, two, three minutes. And then you leave there and visualize yourself going to your event, seeing yourself in your athletic event, picturing yourself being successful, whatever that might be but visualize yourself being successful. And then gradually you'll come out of that, go back to the beach in your mind. I count back from five to one, you wake up. That exercise I've used forever and it works. So that's something I do, but I want to find out what you do. If you're a coach, how do you help your athletes get mentally prepared to compete? If you're a coach, how do you help your athletes get mentally prepared? If you're an athlete, what do you do to get mentally prepared? Do you have a routine? Do you not have a routine? Want to find out what you do? We're going to talk about this throughout the hour today. 
I think it's a great topic and it's an important one because you get physically prepared, you need to get mentally prepared. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com. That's winnersunlimited.com, doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, Go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back. When your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain. And you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines. But most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. We talk about the mental side of sports on this show. I want to open up our phone lines. I'd like to get some calls. If you're a coach 
What do you do to mentally prepare your team to compete? If you're an athlete, what do you do to get mentally prepared to compete? In fact, because I'm in a giving mode today, for the first two callers to call in, I will get you my free digital download. So Derek, my producer, will take your email, your phone number. He'll get your phone number, then I'll get your email address from you. So the first two callers to call, I will give you my digital download, 20 Minutes of Athletic Success to Get Mentally Prepared to Play. So I want to find out if you're a coach, how do you get your team prepared? What do you do to prepare your team? Do you get them to relax? Do you hype them up? Do you work on visualizing? Do you work on mental preparation? How much time do you spend doing that? And if you are an athlete, what do you do to get prepared before your game, before your competition? You know, people talk about the importance of physically getting ready. And obviously you have to stretch out. You need to get your body ready. But how, you know, I, I have a saying, you have two athlete, you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will come out on top. Of course, I'm a sports psychologist, so I'm going to get into the mental part. Isn't that one of the reasons they said Michael Jordan was so successful? He always stretched, but he also was so mentally tough and prepared. Yes, and if you if, and Derek, if you sit down and think about a lot of athletes who will talk about their success after a game, they will almost always have a reference to how they got prepared. You know, I I, I knew this was going to happen. I thought about it. I I, I visualized it. That word now is commonplace. You hear it a lot. People talk about that. And, and it becomes an important component. If, if you don't take the time, like if you're a basketball player, soccer player, you want to image, imagine, visualize yourself playing. You need to visualize and picture, what am I going to do when I throw the ball away, kick the ball away, foul somebody, turn it over? And how am I going to react to that? You see a lot of athletes who, who don't have very good self-control, right? You've seen it on the football field. No, you, you see it all the time. You also, what, what's, what's, what I've discovered that's kind of become, become commonplace in football is, especially if you listen to a broadcast, well, they'll sit there and they'll say, okay, hey, you know, it's, it's second down and nine and they run this play. Well, now you're, they're supposed to, if you're the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, you're supposed to be thinking about a play ahead already. What's your next play going to be? So I think visualization is a big part, especially no matter whether you're an athlete or especially if you're a coach, because you always got to be thinking about the game plan and how that's going to go. But if the second and nine isn't prepared, what's my third down play? What well, are we going to do if I go for it on fourth? 100% correct. And, and one of the problems that I see with many people and a lot of coaches, lots, lots of times, not, not all, but a lot of coaches get angry and then they get mad at their athletes. It gets them out of that mode of focusing and then you're reacting. And then when you're reacting, you don't have a chance to really get yourself relaxed again and focus. Because then you're – in a great example, I was talking to an NFL player about this yesterday. A few years ago, the Packers and the Seahawks were in the playoffs in Seattle. Green Bay was ahead. Seattle's coming back. It's the fourth quarter. Seattle's, uh, Green, uh, Seattle scores. They do an onside kick. NFC Championship game 2014. Okay. The ball hits – goes through the uh, Packers defender – through his hands, he was a backup tight end, through yep. his hands, hits his helmet, Seattle recovers. He goes to the sideline, and the special teams coach ripped off his headset and was just screaming at him in his face. They showed it, they showed the cameras. He was in his face just going ballistic. There's less than two, there's like minute 45, minute 50 left in the game. And I'm sitting there thinking, what is this guy doing? You know, he's screaming and yelling at this player. A couple of players actually pulled him away. And then he went back and yelled him again. They had to pull him away again. Well, he was back on the field two more times. So where was his mindset at? You know, he was done. See, and that's where if you're mentally prepared, you've got to prepare for mistakes. If you're a coach, you also have to prepare for what happens when your athletes screw up. How are you going to handle that? How are you going to react? The emotional side is so important. And the preparation aspect comes into play Mentally, even more so. It's, it's how you handle yourself, visualize yourself playing, but also, what am I going to do if something goes wrong? How am I going to emotionally react to that? Yeah, no, I mean, also, what's kind of crazy is looking back on that, the Packers also had multiple chances when they... Russell Wilson, I think that day, had like four or five interceptions, 
and the Packers could have scored touchdowns and they were kicking field goals instead. So, if anything, they shouldn't have been necessarily 100% mad at the guy who, yeah, he messed up at that time in that moment, but the Packers also look back on that game and can say, you know, we could have gotten touchdowns. If we get touchdowns instead of field goals, Seattle's not in the position to be able to be where they're at, to where the ball bounces off that guy. I, I, and I and I used to remember his name, and I could rattle it off like that. I can't remember his name now, the guy who the ball hit off of. But I know the play exactly that you're talking about. Yeah, I, I can still see it in my mind. Now, you know, one of the things that when it comes to visualization is that it's so, so important to take the time beforehand. And, and people say, well, Doc, you visualize success, right? I go, no, no. You also visualize screwing up, Okay. Because you're going to screw up in a game, no matter what sport you play, no matter it's individual or team sport, you're going to screw up. So, well, why would you want to visualize screwing up, Doc? I mean, you don't want to do that. I said, well, here's why. And I love asking this question to, to new clients. Are you a perfectionist? And typically they say, well, yeah, I'm a perfectionist. Okay, well, besides me, who do you know who's perfect? Of course, they smile when they say that about me. But I go, who's perfect? Well, nobody's perfect. And I go, well, then, if you're a perfectionist and nobody's perfect, what's that mean? And then they sort of look at me and go, oh, okay. So it's important to mentally prepare for screwing up. What am I going to do if I double fault? What am I going to do if I miss that three-foot putt? And golf is perhaps the greatest sport to use this as an example. Because I always talk about, I call it TNS, the next shot. Okay, you need to be focusing or TNP the next play, the next pitch. But you have to focus on what's in front of you. I always like to say, Derek, when you're driving a car, where are you looking? Where do you look when you're driving the car? We're right ahead where I'm supposed to be. Well, that's good. You haven't been in any many wrecks lately then. That's no. Good. Okay. No. Okay. Well, what? You want to look ahead. I always tell people when you're driving a car, you're looking ahead. You're not looking behind. When you're playing sports, you've got to be looking ahead. So if you make a bad play, what I always say, if you hit a bad shot in golf, let's see you duck hook to the left. What you want to do then is take a practice swing and visualize the shot properly. See it going to the right place. And if you do that, you'll have a good positive image going into the next shot. So visualization, positive, realistic visualization is important, but also being prepared for the negatives. Okay, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I want to hear from if you're a coach, you're an athlete, how do you get mentally prepared to play? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax? build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. 
Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, Make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition. And Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Our show is now on in a number of cities around the country. And, you know, this is one of the few, if if maybe the only, sports psychology show around. And when we talk about mental preparation, which is what I'm talking about today, I've, I've had the privilege to work with athletes at all levels. And... Back in the 80s, I was the Olympic cycling team sports psychologist, or, well, the U.S. cycling team sports psychologist, and worked in the 84 Olympics, three world championships with them, and a number of, of events around the country. And we would talk about the importance of visualizing before you race, seeing yourself in different situations. And I have a picture in my office, and it's on the wall. It's a photograph that was sent to me by a cyclist named Norm Alvis. Norm was a great guy I worked with back in the 80s. And it's from a race in Europe. And Norm is in the middle of this picture with about a dozen cyclists. All the cyclists in the picture, with the exception of Norm, are grimacing, they're, they're stressing, and then there's Norm, right in the middle of the picture, right in the front of the pack, Relaxed. And I ask athletes when they come in my office, look at that picture, and which one do you think is Norm? And they'll try to pick him out. And most people don't pick him out. They, get, they point to the guy in the lead. And I go, no, that's not him. Because this quote at the top of the page, at the picture, says, Andy, I can see success. Thanks for the push. Visualization, and he would visualize himself in races. If you're a cyclist, a road roadie, you're, you're going to ride a 100, 120-mile race at times. You're going to encounter all kinds of things. Believe me. I've seen it. And you have to be prepared for all these different things. Mental preparation. I said earlier, the quote I like to use, you can have two athletes who are physically the same. I've used this quote forever. You can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will come out on top. And if you have a stronger mind, you are mentally prepared. Not just for success, but for failure. All right, I want to open up our phone lines. Let's get some calls in here. Nobody's called in yet. I want to hear from you if you're a coach. How do you get your team prepared to play mentally? What do you do if you have a youth baseball team, a youth soccer team, a softball team, a volleyball team? If you coach individual sports, swimmers, tennis players, golfers, what do you do to teach them to get mentally prepared? I said earlier, I'm going to give away two of my mental preparation exercises. They're digital downloads on my website. 
to two callers to call in. So let's get some calls in here. The normal one is twenty dollars. We'll give them away for free. I want to hear from you. How do you get prepared to play? What do you do to teach your athletes to get prepared? Do you have a routine? Do you try to get them to, to go through a routine mentally to get prepared? Or do you not? Do you not take the time? Do you have them stretch out physically but not mentally? Whatever sport you play, you're going to screw up. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. So my question comes down to this. As a coach, how do you help your athletes deal with failure? How important is the mental part in terms of getting ready, teaching them that? And mental preparation is involving both the physical and psychological aspect. I mentioned earlier, you go through a progressive muscle relaxation exercise to get your body prepared for stress. You know, what stresses you out is not going to necessarily stress the next guy out. Okay, Derek, when you played sports, what typically stressed you out? People screwing up the blocking assignments. On, in football. Yeah, in football, yeah. Or guys running the wrong play in basketball, not cutting the way that they should have. Okay, so then how did you react to that when that would happen? Well, in my younger days, probably not the way that I would right now because I was a very competitive person. I wanted to win. So I am, I'll play psychologist here with you, which of course that's what I am, but you probably got ticked off. Absolutely. And then that affected your play because then you didn't, you got out of your element because you're angry at your teammate, and oh. then you screwed up. Yeah, and then I wouldn't pass the ball sometimes, too, on the basketball court. Okay. And then what would happen when there would be a timeout? I, I would get talked to by the coach more so than more, more likely. Or were you angry at your teammates? Uh, it was probably a combination of, the, of, of, of both. I mean, we weren't, a great, we weren't greatly known for basketball. Uh, we were more so a football school, but... Um, I mean, I would get upset. I wanted to win at every. I wanted to win at everything. That's just the competitor that I was. Well, there's nothing wrong in that. But what's the prop? There's nothing wrong in wanting to win at everything. But what's wrong with wanting to win it with everything? I don't know. You're not going to. Right. Okay. It's, you're not going to win at everything. So when I say it's wrong. It's not necessarily wrong. But what's bad about it is you're not always going to. And because you're not always going to, you're going to screw up. And so then when you screw up, well, in my mindset too, in high school was that. You know, high school was the end all be all. Not not like Uncle Rico reliving the the high school memories, but you know, in in high school you want to win everything because you think that that's the peak of for some athletic achievement. Well, for many people, I didn't play in college, so well, for many people that is that's the, that's the peak and that's the problem. So, mental preparation, and that's what we're talking about today. Mental preparation is 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 the art of getting your mind ready. And to get your mind ready, the first thing you need to do is relax physically. That's why I talk on my exercise. I have people go through a progressive muscle relaxation exercise to teach them about muscle tension. I cannot tell you how many people I've worked with throughout the years who are so physically stressed out, they can't get themselves prepared. All right. Our first two callers, we've got our first caller online here. We're going to get my, my digital download 20 Minutes of Athletic Success. It's on my website, winnersunlimited.com. Get you mentally and physically prepared to play. Let's see what AJ has to say. AJ, good morning. How are you? Let's see if we got him here. Are you there? AJ, are you there? Oh, we got a dial tone. We'll get him back on the line if he calls back. But here, here's the deal. Mental preparation physical preparation together are what gets you prepared to play. And most athletes I have found who are successful, if you listen to pro athletes, Olympic athletes, competitive athletes, this weekend here in the Kansas City area, the USA Gymnastics Championships are going on. And I've listened to several of the interviews with some of these young ladies and men, and they've, they all talk about visualization, seeing themselves doing their routines before they do it. And it's part of what makes an athlete, gives an athlete the chance to be successful. So one of the things that's so, so very important is this. Taking the time before you play to relax. You know, you're going to get all hyped up before a game or something like that. But before you do that, before you get too hyped up, you want to take the time to relax yourself, your body physically and mentally. Relax your mind. 
and see yourself in situations where things don't always go the way you want. I can almost promise you over the course of the next few days after you've listened to this show, you listen to any athlete in any sport. We've got the NFL, now the preseason's going on. Listen to interviews with all these guys. They will reference being mentally prepared. You watch the Major League Baseball players. You watch them, listen to them talk. And I've worked with baseball players my whole career. I've been the Kansas City Royals team psychologist twice during several years. And we would talk about visualizing a pitch or visualizing pitching before you play, before you go out. Picture yourself going through the lineup as a starting pitcher, as a reliever. Picture when you're going to come in. Visualize the scenario. Guys on base, nobody on base. What are you going to do? How are you going to handle it? Take the time to be prepared in your mind for all these things. And as a result, you're going to be more relaxed. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 10 WHB. I'm talking about mental preparation today. And if you're a coach or an athlete, I'd like to hear from you about what you do to get mentally prepared to play. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com. That's winnersunlimited.com, doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. 
And today I've been talking about the importance of mental preparation. If you're an athlete and you have played any sport, I can almost guarantee you, if you take the time mentally to get yourself prepared before your competition, before your game, you will have a much greater chance of success than if you don't. I mean, research has found that people who visualize and take the time to mentally prepare before they compete have an 85 to 90% better chance of success than athletes that don't. So the importance of mental preparation is there. But the problem is a lot of people don't do it. They take it for granted. Oh, it's no big deal. Years ago when I worked with the Kansas City Royals, batting practice. And in the Kansas City Stadium, the scoreboard is pretty darn large. It's right in front of you. And during batting practice, we had one player who came out of the cage and the netting and comes over to me, and he's a big, big dude. He grabs me, Doc, why am I so messed up? My average is terrible. I suck, Doc. What's wrong with me? I said, well, there might be a lot of things wrong with you, but you're not a bad hitter. You're just not doing well right now. And he goes, do you know what it's like to stand in that box and look at that scoreboard? I said, no, I've never done it before. I've never played Major League Baseball. But he said, you know, I get in that box and I look at the scoreboard and they have every statistic about me up there. You know, how bad I am. And I said, let me ask you a question. Why are you looking at the scoreboard and why aren't you looking at the pitcher? And I can still see him with his wraparound sunglasses on. He got this big giant grin on his face. He says, that's why I messed up. I'm not focusing on the right things. I said, right. What are you thinking about before a game? He said, you know, I just, I'm so in such a slump right now. I just keep thinking about what's wrong. I said, well, then how are you going to succeed if you keep thinking about what's wrong? You're going to keep doing things the wrong way. And then you're going to keep focusing on that scoreboard. And then your mind's going to be there instead of on what you want to do. Well, that night he went two for four, drove in and winning around the double in the eighth inning. And afterwards, we talked about it, and he said, you know, I really took your advice to heart, and I said, okay, when I get in the box, I'm going to focus on the pitcher. When I noticed the scoreboard, got out of the box, took a deep breath, and visualized making getting a hit. And he said, I've never really done that before, but it really works. The mental aspect of sports. Now, you know, when I started doing this in 1977, 78 in grad school, and then when I started working in 1981, Sports psychology was dissed on. People, oh, come on, that's ridiculous. In fact, I interviewed in the Kansas City area when I got out of grad school to start working. I interviewed four four small, I just made up a new word, four small colleges here. And the athletic director at one of these colleges said, I do not believe in hocus pocus and witchcraft. I thought, well, I'm not going to be working for him, thankfully. The mental aspect, you can't measure. You know, here's the problem with mental preparation. Physical preparation, you can see how a muscle, you can feel how a muscle loosens up. But you can't feel how your, you can feel your confidence in one perspective, but you can't measure it. What is confidence? It's the belief in yourself. How do you improve your confidence? How do you relax? You can't measure mental things. You can quantify physical things. And so for a lot of people, they don't look at the mental aspect with that much importance. They look at it sort of derogatorily, in a derogatory way. And so consequently, a lot of people don't think it's that important. But I think if you listen today more than ever before, and Derek, you've interviewed athletes after games. When you're in the locker room after games, how often do you hear guys positively or negatively, mention something about their mindset. I think a perfect example of this is Travis Kelsey. If you look at what his mindset was a couple of years ago when he was getting penalized all the time and also getting ejected for doing things that he shouldn't, whether it be throwing a towel at an official or hitting someone in an area that they shouldn't be hitting, his whole mindset has changed in terms of, I think, how he views the game and how he views things. Because it used to be, you know, it's all this guy, it's all that guy, and now it's we or I, I got to do better, I got to focus on this, we focused on that. I think originally when he was younger, a lot of the game was about him, potentially. Uh, But now 
I would say over the last two plus seasons, everything's completely shifted. Well, Travis Kelsey is the the great tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, and maybe the best tight end in football right now, especially with Rob Gronkowski retiring. Oh, but, he's been the best tight end but in even the last so, two years. Right, yeah. I would say, but we're a little bit biased because we are in Kansas City. But the fact of the matter is this. You're right about him. There, there's been a change with him, and it's been very noticeable to me because I watch when I go to games, I watch these types of things. He would be very impulsive before, and he would do things because of his overexcitement, overexuberance, which I think pushed him over the edge. Now I think he's matured. I think he's learned and he's grown, and I think he sees the bigger picture. And that part of that's, I think, the mental aspect of being prepared better. Because failure, and I remember, that, I remember the game specifically where he got penalized, the ref threw the penalty flag, he took it, threw it at the ref and got kicked out of the game. Remember that game. And that was an impulsive reaction. It wasn't something he, he you know, it was a premeditated play. He, it was just something he just did. But things like that are things that you can learn from and grow from as an athlete when you screw up and make a mistake. And that's part of the preparation part. That's part of the mental preparation part. I've worked with so many athletes over the years, amateur, professional, high school, college, Olympic, doesn't matter. And one of the main areas that a lot of people come in and t- for, to talk to me about, maybe the, the precipitating event is a lack of self-control, impulsivity, negative thinking, okay, and failure. And what we try to do, what I try to, first I have to try to understand what's going on and figure out why that's happening. And then we, then, then we try to identify those situations. How have you reacted? And typically a lot of people will react just like you, you described Travis Kelsey. They'll be impulsive, they'll respond, they won't think. And especially if you're in a team sport, you, you, you're, you're a defender, okay, you're going to have to, you know, who, who typically gets penalized in a football game, Derek? The guy who does the initial thing or the guy who reacts? Usually it's the guy who does the, it, it, aside from holding, if somebody's pushing back and forth, it's the second guy, not the, the guy that initiates Right, it. it's the reaction. So as a, as, a, as a defender in whatever sport you play, you have to have the mindset of the, I always call it the what if. And I have athletes write out for me a what if list. What if this happens? What if that happens? And then you have a mental game plan in your mind. You're prepared for that. So when you screw up, when you do something dumb, when you make a mistake, you have a plan in your mind about how I'm going to react to that. And that's the whole. Me- that, that's when I talk about mental preparation. That's part of it. So, and you've seen you've seen so many athletes like you'll be in the locker room after games and doing interviews, and you hear guys who've screwed up before, right? And and they are dejected. They're down. And they they wish what? What do you typically hear them say, maybe on or off camera? Well, I think one of the more so things that sticks out on this was because it happened this past year was when North Carolina lost to Auburn in the Sweet 16 at Sprint Center. Roy Williams said, I should have had my team better prepared. He didn't have them mentally prepared or ready to play the game the way that he thought he should, and it ended up costing him at the fact that Auburn hit like 18 threes that game to go to the Elite Eight. But that's a that's a big situation, too, is that they wish they would have been better prepared. Well, and and... When it comes to something like that, one of the things I've always, when I've talked to basketball teams, especially at the collegiate level, to coaches, we, we talk about before big games especially, how's your team going to react if you're way ahead, if you're way behind, if it's close, where's their mindset going to be? And typically, if, you know, if, you're, if you're a favored team in a big game and you fall behind and you're not prepared to handle that, typically that's when everything starts to fall apart. So as a coach... One of the important things to do is to take the time in practice to go through scenarios positively and negatively. If you're way ahead, you're way behind, you're tied, whatever, and ask. And I always tell coaches, ask your athletes, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? How are you reacting? What's your body doing when these situations go on? The importance of communication as a coach and sharing, talking about the whole mental aspect Obviously, as a sports psychologist, what I do, but, but coaches are psychologists. If you're a coach, you need to take the time to do that. Take the time to get mentally prepared. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. Hope you've enjoyed this show. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810WHB. You go to the 810WHB.com website, go to additional programming, and then and you'll find my show. You can find my podcast on my website, winnersunlimited.com. Go to the podcast page. They're all there. If you want to reach me, there are several ways to get a hold of me. You can send me an email at drj 
at winnersunlimited.com, drj at winnersunlimited.com. Follow me on Twitter at drj sports psych. Our shows are podcasted there also, beyond in about a week. And you can always reach me at my office at 816-561-5556. 816-561-5556. I am taking on new clients. I give speeches on these topics all the time. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com. That's winnersunlimited.com, doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful, pain-reducing prescription medicines. But most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.